Hey, today on No Gray Areas, we have former NFL player Seth McKinney, and he tells his story and gives us principles about how to overcome disappointments and how to succeed in the processes of life. Listen now. Seth McKinney, thank you so much for joining us on the No Gray Areas podcast today. I'm really excited about our interview, so I want to just jump right into it. I'm going to probably embarrass you a little bit because I want to re- read a list of your accomplishments, and audience, bear with me, because it's a pretty long list. Uh, you played football at high school, at a high level in high school and college, and you actually made it into the pros as well and played at a high level there. So in high school, you won a state championship, is that correct, in Texas? That is correct, which is a huge deal in Texas. And, it is. And I'm, uh, my claim to fame on that one is uh, I played with, with Drew Brees. <laughs> yeah. So d- did he help win that championship, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yeah, he certainly <laughs> did, obviously. I mean, it, it wasn't because of my blocking that we won. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we would have won the year before, but he got hurt in the, the game before, or two games before State. We unfortunately lost the, the game right after. But, uh, yeah, yeah, we would have. we were on a roll. Wow. So I I bet that was fun for you to watch him though and how how well he did in his career especially since you played with him in high school. Yeah, I mean, you're in it so much and you see him play and even in high school I I did my best and I I don't blame A&M at all for, you know, passing and frankly every school in Texas passed on Drew, but I did my best to to recruit him and to get uh, the coaches to look at him and they did, but it just, it just didn't work out. And, you know, I always joke around that you could not have planned it better for Drew. Frankly, he went to Joe Tiller at Purdue and it was like a PhD in passing versus coming to A&M where we might have thrown it, you know, 13 times a game. And yeah, it was like yeah. a, you know, associate's degree in passing there. So <laughs> he, it worked out great for Drew. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it worked out for him for sure. So you win a state championship in high school, then you go play for Texas A&M and you start 50 consecutive games, which I think at least a few years ago was the second most ever in Texas A&M's history. So, and anybody that knows the game of football knows that is unbelievable to play, especially as a lineman, to play 50 consecutive games. You end up as academic All-American, Scholar Athlete of the Year, two-time Offensive Lineman of the Year, Offensive MVP, Team Captain, Second Team All-American, member of the All-Big 12 10-Year Anniversary Team, Texas UIL All-Century Team for high school. So that is a list of accomplishments. And then in 2002, (laughs) you get drafted by the Miami Dolphins. And I think the next... Right, the next three years, you play all sixteen games. Well, uh, no, I di- I didn't start. Yes, I was basically the the way they do their stats is it was on the active roster for all those. Uh, yes, uh, my first year I didn't start, um, but I did do uh, you know the worst position of all time, which is wedge captain on kickoff return. It was sheer <laughs> misery. You know, I'm a I'm a lineman. I'm not wanting to be out there at all no one wants to be wedge captain there's no one on earth i met that was psyched up to be wedge captain and but i'll tell you what the guy you're blocking is psyched up to be in his position those uh um attackers or whatever i can't you know, like there the, the you number them all five four three two one as the kicker goes yeah and it was the fives that were the craziest people on earth and that was who we had to block and it could be a linebacker, it could be a fullback, and they just, that's their job. Their sole job in life is to kill me and the guy that doesn't <laughs> want to be there. And so, <laughs> so they're, they're times, running down the know? field full on and just, oh, yeah, just 
wanting to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, you, you go in there, you lay, you lay into them. And I remember one time in Kansas city, I, the kid went to Kansas state. I can't remember his name, but just coming downhill linebacker. And I was just like, well, you hit and it's like, you startled and I didn't have a concussion or anything or it might be in today's time seeing stars. But I know that I came off the sideline and my helmet was, was dented at the top. The face mask was, I was like, wow, I just did a systems check. And I was like, yeah, I can, I can feel everything. I'm alive. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and again, people that listeners that maybe didn't play football and, and especially at the level that you made, they, they don't realize like you guys were in, we, we might call it like small car accidents uh, numerous oh, times yeah. a game. As big as fast as you guys are at that level now, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite a uh, it's quite a sport. There's despite what they've done, and they've made a lot of changes, advancement and uh, helmet technology, and much less rule changes. But as far as it comes to linemen and things of that nature, I mean, it's uh, you can't you can't change what you did down there. Granted, we we were just like. You'd have the collisions. You have big collisions every play, uh, but you don't have those wicked hits that, you know, receivers or quarterbacks uh, have from time to time. Well, how many years did you play for Miami then? You were drafted by the I played five Dolphins. years. Uh, okay. The next year, the second year, I competed to start and three through five. I was in the starting position, even though the injuries uh, <laughs> ended up at that point in time. And then uh, – my sixth and seventh years, I was in Cleveland, and then my eighth year, I was in Buffalo. Okay. Well, I want to get around to this because this podcast is about the power of choices and the consequences of choices, good and bad. And I think that your life, not just in sports, but just because you're a human being, you dealt with disappointment. I mean, when I was reading those stats about you and thinking like, here, you go all the way through college and you hit 50 consecutive games, and then um, you're at least uh, able to play in 16 games in your, your first two or three years of uh, the NFL, but then you, then the injuries start hitting. And I, I'm assuming at that point in your life, like football's life for you almost, right? I mean, you to make it to that level, you, you spent quite a bit of time on that field. It was my definitely my livelihood, uh, and my family was depending on me. And not only that, I mean, every, I'm – you know, you're out there, you're a competitive person and you want to be uh, on the field and competing with your, your teammates and competing for yourself to, to prove yourself that you deserve to be where you're at. And, you know, that's what I always say is that, you know, professional sports, football, whatever is, it's the ultimate uh, meritocracy. I mean, it's no one is out there choosing favorites. If, if you're the best, you're going to be playing. And if you're not, you're not going to play. And that's just how it goes. And uh, at every turn, the you know, as a player, you're out there trying to prove it every play. And if you're not, you're you're taking steps back, and you're going to get worse, and you're never going to make it long term. Um, but you have to know that, and you know that's something that that just starting day one that you have to to take into consideration, even in even in college or whatever. It's it, College is pride and getting out there and that desire to make it to the next level, and that's how you prove it, right? These these kids nowadays, it's it's an interesting situation, but it's you got an NIL and all that. Well, I don't want to get into that, but but the motivations have changed, I guess, a little bit, but it's yeah, still the same. Yeah. You know, you the, the best players get the NIL, and and you know they they take it from there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a it's 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 your life. You're spending. Uh, 
waking hours doing it and you get off like, you know, at five or whatever, six. And, and that's your, that's your deal. But your whole life is a uh, football instead of, yeah. you know, doing books as an accountant. You know, Seth, though, you bring up a really good point that I don't think a lot of people think about, unlike most jobs that people have. Because, you know, when you were playing, it's, it's your job. Like you said, it's your livelihood. But you are 100% dealing with the best get on the field. And it's like you didn't have a good day at work in the office. Well, you go back in, you still got your job the next day. You're really dealing with in the in the in the high level of sports world that um, you could lose that job the next day. Yeah. So I I, the pressure's got to be amazing. Yeah, it is. It's it's stressful, and anyone who tells you that it's not is lying. Even the best are are stressed about their performance, either for for pride's sake. You know, the best don't necessarily worry about making the team, but they're worried about being the best, right? And so it's a different level of stress, but there's always stress on it. And, you know, you're constantly, uh, everything you do is on film, every little step, every, you know, interaction. I mean, it's, it's on film and, and it's, it's the wildest thing, but you could compare it going back to an accountant is, you know, having what you do filmed everything like, Oh, that, that was an error in that uh, Excel uh, cell you have there. Oh, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like everything is judged and to the T's and, and it's, uh, it's, it's the, it's the ultimate competition. And I I love that. I love my time doing it, but yeah, it was indeed stressful, but I I had a strength going back to it. I had a strength coach, uh, tell me one time, Brad roll. He was like, you know, he's like, you guys, you football players are the most insecure people of all time. And I was like, yeah. It is, it is a bad feeling that, that knowing that, that every day your performance is how you're judged and, and if, whether you stay out there or not. And it's not like being a, uh, you know, an accountant, a doctor or, you know, any kind of profession. You get paid like a doctor, but once you're done, you don't still make doctor money. You got to start over. And so your whole goal is to stay there as long as you can to do the things that you have to do to not only win and be the best at your position for the team and your pride and things of that nature. Yeah. But you know, so you can make money and support your family. Well, so you had a pretty illustrious career. So what were your, what was one of your highest points and lowest points? And I'm asking this cause I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm asking high point in from high school, college and professional and low point in those. So your high point might've been high school. I don't know. Will you tell me? Uh, you know, there's so many things I could point at. I, I would say one of the, the coolest things that I ever did was uh, win the Big 12 championship in 1998. The way we won it was just so uh, unbelievable. It was the double overtime game versus Kansas State in the Big 12 championship. And, you know, if they would have won the game, they were going to the national championship game. And, uh, you know, we ended up winning on a last second play and double overtime and it was a crazy occasion, but that was definitely the most fun wow. uh, yeah. thing that I've ever been through. It was, it was, a, it was unreal. It was, it was a blast. And, I, and, another, and another high point for me, and this is, I guess you're getting to, getting to my low point, if you will, but another high point was, uh, just kind of, I'd, I'd missed my fifth year with a, with a neck injury that I, you know, I uh, had a C6, C7 fusion, got that taken care of, earned the ability to, to start again, um, in Cleveland. And then, so this gets to the low point is like in the ninth game versus Seattle, I dislocated my left shoulder 
And it was, it was such a demoralizing thing. I mean, it really, it really hurt me, man. I mean, it, uh, like emotionally took me down. Um, and that's tough. Cause I mean, you, I dealt with a lot. I'd had three injuries before that missed the whole entire season of my fifth year, come back, earn the ability to start again. We were having a great year. Uh, it was the best year in Cleveland in years. We actually went 10 and six that year, had a ton of pro bowlers, but, uh, and then getting hurt, you know, I, I can remember just like, I didn't want to think about anything, man. I just like, it was rough. It was really, really rough. And of course I came back and earned the right to play for another two years. But, but after all that and proving myself and earning the right to start again, to get hurt just in, in the ninth year, it was just like, here yeah. we go again. And, you know, but that's, yeah. Getting back to it, it's like fighting through and, and, you know, you ask the low points that you come back from is that what are you going to do? I mean, you could, you have, you could either wallow in your pain and misery and depression, if you will, or you can say, no, forget it, man. I'm going to prove myself that, that I can still play in this league and that I have the ability to play and, and I'm going to do it. And you take it day by day by day. I can, you know, I can remember. Or in the rehab up, you're barely moving your arms, you know, kind of doing little bitty rotations and then you take it from there. And, you know, yeah, year yeah. seven, I go out for two days and training camp and prove myself again. So that's all you can do is take it day by day and, yeah. and keep earning the right to be out there. You know, Seth, though, when you're when you're telling that story, it, it made me think again for all of us as humans, we deal with disappointment. But one of the things that you were going through and the discouragement, maybe the depression that you were going through at that time is you worked, it sounds to me like you worked really hard to come back from injury and then boom, you get hit again. But you don't know the future in that moment, right? Like right now you're sitting there and you look back and you realize <laughs> yeah. you came back from that injury again. But that's what makes disappointment so difficult in our lives sometimes is we actually don't know the future. Like at that moment when you're hurt again, you're like, this could be it. This could be the end. And you're right. You're right. I mean, right? every at every occasion and every injury, you could always you can you can think the worst and things of that nature. And frankly, I probably did think the worst that I'll never do it again. But but you can't keep that thought, right? You can have that thought. That's fine. I mean, those those kind of thoughts happen naturally. You're a human being. But the thing that you've got to do is to fight that all away, put it away, and just go through the process, you know I mean? Like I played him and Nick Saban um, for two years in Miami is two years in the NFL. And one thing that he did always preach was the process. And, and hmm. that's all of that you can think about. Like you, you control the process. That's the only thing in life that you can control is doing the right things that you need to do, whether that's be the best football player, be the best father, be the best, you know, business owner, things of that nature. And there are certain processes that are involved in all those. And when it comes to, to football and rehab is you go through the process. You start with the barely moving your arm and then you start with, you know, shoulder perturbations or whatnot. And then you take it into doing, you know, bench again and you take it into actually going on the field and hitting somebody. And that's all you can do. That's all you can control is yourself. And I know it's kind of, it's a lot easier said than done, but it's that, you know, yeah. stoic mentality that, Hey, we, you only, you literally only control what you control. And I, I try to tell my kids that, but it's a hard principle to, um, you know, get through to somebody is that that's, that's the only thing that you can do in life is control yourself because 
You know, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I think if you're married, you know that you have no control over your wife as much as you <laughs> yes. love her. She's going to do yeah. what she's going to do. And, and you can only yes, do what you can true. do. And, and uh, so that's what it comes down to is you doing what you're supposed to do to be the father, player, whatever it is that you're doing in life. That, 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 that's how you live is that you just keep doing the process day by yeah. day. You wake up, you do the same. Well, you know, you don't do the same. You, you try to find if you messed up, you fix it move on and but that's all you can do is is keep following the process and when you mess up pick up the pieces and move forward that is so good because you said it sounds simple you know but and it does i think sometimes the deepest truths are the sure it truths, sounds simple <laughs> right yeah but it's it's not but i i love that because one of my biggest pet peeves is that in our culture it seems like we're we're incessant in trying to somehow uh uh identify or pretend that there's these overnight successes you know like someone all of a sudden makes it big and we're like oh look at it, it was overnight it's never right. overnight is it if you look back anything anybody any organization any team that's been successful if you're going to look back you're going to see a process right you're going to see these little steps that were taken again and again and again so i, I go back to to saving again and i know that i keep saying this because first off he's in alabama i'm an a&m guy so you know i despise him this band i played for him so i you know yes. i look here's the deal I, I respect him as a coach you know and i don't think that he was out there to be our friends period you know full stop he was not out there to be your friend he was out there to win uh at that time super bowls and i think you can say the same thing about him in alabama but i will say this when i say that i respect him as a coach is that he was relentless and and there's a reason that he is literally the best that's ever breathed when it comes to college football is that he he does he like when you say that there's a process he follows it when it comes to recruiting when it comes to coaching when it comes to holding his players accountable when it comes to holding his own coaches accountable um i mean he will he will not hesitate to chew out uh, uh one of his coaches you know i remember Hudson Howick, he was like one of the greatest offensive line coaches of all time, uh, telling us in a meeting one time, he's like, look, when y'all mess up, just know that I'm going to come down here and I'm going to ream y'all because guess who's getting it upstairs? Me. I'm getting yeah. I'm yeah. getting chewed out, so I'm going to chew y'all out. Trust me. So, I mean, like you're talking about a guy that's coached the best of the best and has been around in the league, you know, you know, five times, ten times longer than Nick Saban ever thought about being in the league. And uh, and he was there and yeah. getting chewed out and having to hold us accountable. So, I mean, it's a process. It's a daily grind. But when it comes to being the best, Steven does it. And he has that ability. And that's why that I don't – I mean, like, I, I don't look at myself as a, as a negative that, that I will never have that because there are certain aspects of your life that you have to give up to be that. And he has. I mean, he's fully devoted to being the best football coach uh, that has ever lived. And he'll probably achieve that, but at the detriment of what, I don't know. And I'm not going to say or speculate on anything else, but yeah. I do know what it takes to be the best. And I look at myself, and I'm like, man, yeah, I don't have to be the best. I don't know if I want to do that, <laughs> but there's a reason he's where he is. Yeah. Well, I love to say that sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love more. And again, if yeah, you see anybody yeah. who's accomplished something, they've sacrificed. And what you, I hear you saying is, he sacrificed a lot, a lot of things yeah. that he probably loved to get to something that he loved more. And, and no doubt, you know, Seth, I, I think I, I just want to 
stay on this point for one more moment because I think it's so important for our audience to get again where you're talking about processes because it is a secret ingredient in life uh, it's you show me any great father and they didn't stumble on that accidentally show me a great accountant they didn't stumble on that accidentally show me a great doctor they didn't stumble on that accidentally right and that's that's what you're saying you learned from Saban is it's going back to the process and even dealing with your disappointment with injuries it's getting up the next day and moving your arm just this little bit and doing the the PT just a little right it's that right. process. And you found that in your professional life now, I'm sure. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what you do. There is a, there is a process and you can define it. I know I'm saying process a lot, but I mean, try. Yeah. Anyways, it's what it's all about. There, there's a process of life. There's a process of being, you know, a great father and you do the best that you can to, to follow it every day. When you yeah. wake up, when it comes to being a husband, things of that nature or whatever it is that you're doing in life. And yeah. you can say that about uh, real estate or anything else. There's there's a process on what you do, and those that stick to it. And and find, first off, you have to find the right process. You can't find if you find the wrong process, you're going to get the wrong process results. And when you find the right process and you follow it over and over, and you're constantly changing, even changing the process and making it better, and and things that and adapting to the new current reality of what things are that as long as you're on the path of, and following the right steps that you're you're destined to be a success but yeah. and I, I think annie duke and one of some of her books if you know she's that great poker player yeah. talks about yep. resulting and 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 i think about things that when people talk about a, a failure or or you know a one-time success and they don't th talk about the steps that were taken to get to that and they're resulting absolutely and, and i like look I know what I am in golf. I am a horrible golfer. I love it. It's a lot of fun. I go out and I play it. It's kind of just thoughtless. And I actually enjoy playing golf by myself quite a bit on the, yeah. on the course where I play. I can get out there and go and just, it's kind of mindless and you're just hitting balls. But, but, uh, you know, when you're playing with someone, I'm like, Hey, man, that was, you made great contact. Dude. That's like all you can ask for. You, you just something else messed up. I was like, you know, you're resulting, you're not going to be perfect. No one, but anyways, no one takes the time in golf to be the best, especially amateurs, you know, it just takes yeah. too much. Yep. But, exactly. uh, and, but if you're even like on real estate, if you, if you have a deal that you bought and you made a lot of money in it or whatever, and you don't know what you did to do that, or don't try to replicate that, you're, you're just resulting. But if you can go in and consistently say, this is what I did to get this. And we did this and we did this and we did this and ultimately made money. I mean, that's where, that's where it comes uh, down to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember at about 18 years old, I'm 52, almost 52 now. So that's a long time ago, 18 years old. Uh, but I decided I was going to read 30 minutes a day. And I think I've done, I, I think I've done that pretty much my entire life. At 20, 21, 22, it, it really hadn't started showing up that much, like the impact that would have. 25, 26, 27. But you start doing that, and that's that's where really when I got into my 40s is where I started to realize that this this little habit of reading 30 minutes a day had started to build and was now having huge implications on my life. But it didn't happen overnight. It didn't even happen in a few years. It was after years and years and years of doing that. I think that's the process piece. Well, let me ask you this, because we talked a lot about process. You, you mentioned um, Saban at Alabama to, or from uh, Miami at that time uh, is the one that, who taught you that. What is something else that a coach, 
uh, told you or one of the most important things that the coach ever told you that helped you in life? Uh, you know, I think going back to, to R.C. Slocum and A&M, my coach there, who I loved and, and loved playing for, was always talking about, uh, you know, academics and things of that nature. And he would always make that a big deal, you know, even though some people t- didn't take it seriously or some did. I ended up taking it um, um, seriously, and I tried my best to – to make good grades, I went to class, and you know I know that there are plenty of people who never went, but I just did it. I just showed. I was basically like the process, you know. I didn't have to go crazy. I didn't make all A's or whatnot. I made a lot of A's because I did show up and I did study. And but yeah. but well, I had a buddy that would just drive me nuts because he's like you know had a photographic memory or whatnot, and it was, it was anyway. That's a different story, but. But I did have the process of at least going to class and studying. I, I mean, I wasn't the best student on earth, but I did it. I showed up and, you know, Coach Slogan would always be just like, you know, have the, he brought, one time he brought in Greg Hill, a former player of his. And I remember after practice, he was like, you know, the smartest people have two plans. And I was like, oh, I take that to heart, you know, and I ended up getting my master's degree while I was at A&M undergrad and master's. So I did take uh, my education very seriously. And um, I attribute a lot of that to Coach Slocum kind of beating that into yeah. us. That, yeah. that that was a, a that was a big part of his program. Yeah. The so he said the smartest people have two plans. Yeah, you know I I, I see both sides. Of that. I recently came across uh, there's a person I like respect on um, Twitter, and I follow her newsletter, Ju- Doctor Julie Gurner. Um, Anyway, she's sometimes she's on the opposite side of that of like burn the bridges, and I get it. Mm-hmm. But I think that uh, especially while you're while you're young, you can go down um, two paths. Like I was like, I'm not. There's just too many unknowns when it comes to to football. To, to like, I think that would just be completely ignorant to only focus on football at the expense of getting an education while you can. I could have done that, but who knows if I. I didn't play 50 straight games in college and had a shoulder or whatnot in college and college and didn't get drafted or something yeah. of that nature, you know? So I, you have to, you have to make great decisions for where you're at in life. And that just wasn't for me to only pick football. I mean, that, a lot of people do that. And then sometimes it pays off and more yeah. often than not, it does not pay off. Yeah. And, well, I think, Seth, that you, you bring up a point there where there's so many dichotomies in life, isn't there? Uh, if I could write a book, I think I would talk about the dichotomies in life because both those two principles are very true, that if you're smart, you're going to have two plans. And then the dichotomy is burn the bridges, burn the ships, you know, <laughs> yeah. go all in. Both are good I think, principles. I think what that comes down to is like having doubt or self-doubt, though, more than having two too. paths, you know? Yep, that's what you're saying is is you're thankful that a coach uh, brought in someone who taught you that and that you were going down two two plans, that you definitely had the football one that worked out for you for a while, but because you had a second plan, it's worked out well for you post-football years. Yeah, and, and that was – if you're not thinking about your life after football when you're playing, then, then you're in for a world of hurt, in my opinion. Uh, it doesn't last forever, and like I said, you're getting doctor, lawyer, whatever money for – eight years Some, yeah. sometimes don't, i think the average career is like three years so wow. you've got to understand that there comes an end to the music it does shut yeah. off at some point in time and you have to gather yourself regroup and 
figure out a way to support your family. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what it comes down to. And yep. if you don't have that plan, you better be very, very good at football. Yeah. Because some people yeah. can do that. Some people have the ability to, and I, I was never, I never wanted to have only uh, football. I, I think that, I mean, I like, there are guys that can do it right that 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 have the ability to only do football. I admit that fully, but like I said, the vast majority of players out there are going to be dependent on something other than what they made while yeah. playing when they get yeah. done. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking a tiny, tiny minority of oh, players, especially when it football. comes to talk about the, especially if you talk about take it down to the college level, that percentage is minuscule. I yep. mean, yep. probably point oh one percent can rely yeah. on what they made in the NFL yeah. for the rest of their life. Yeah. And then even once they get done, even if they play a long career, then what are they going to do after that? Well, there's a very, very few of them that still get to go into sports broadcasting or something where they're still in the football world. Right. Very yeah. few. <laughs> that's, 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 that's right. Very few. Well, Seth, thanks so much, man. I, I think we definitely learned some life principles, power of choices, how to overcome disappointment. I think you gave us some principles that are valuable that you learned from some of your coaches. But I want to finish with something that we do that's really fun in no gray areas. It's ironic yeah. because uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to lie to us. So audience has heard you for about 30 minutes here. And uh, see if you can stump me and the audience, two truths and a lie. All right. Two truths and a lie. I work out every day at 6 a.m., I was hit by a car as a child. I cold plunge every morning. Oh, oh. <laughs> see, I was immediately going to go yes with the uh, 6 a.m. workouts because if you were an athlete, you had to be disciplined. But I actually know plenty <laughs> of athletes that the, when they when they drop the pads or the cleats, they never stepped in the gym again. <laughs> but I went to a baseball game with you recently, and I saw you look like you still work out every day at 6 a.m. That's the truth. Okay, that is true. Okay, okay. And then cold plunge and hit by a car. <sighs> I'm going to say you cold plunge, but not every day. Do you cold? So so I you don't. got hit by a car. <laughs> I did. I did, I did it. man. The cold plunge thing, I just, I don't understand these folks, man, because I did it in football, and I hated every second of it. I mean, pure misery. I like it. There's, there's nothing about it that, that I want to do. I'm just like, you know what, I'll find a way to make my life and emotions and you know whatever good without cold punch <laughs> yeah 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 no i get that there i don't understand that either like i like saunas and steam rooms like the heat therapy yeah. sounds good to me not the cold punch. and i believe yes. in it that's fine i can do that kind of thing but the cold uh, no, yeah the I, I get that so you were hit by a car when you were a kid was yeah, it serious, yeah, was it serious? You know, I, I laugh about it now, but obviously, yeah, it was. It was actually pretty wild. Uh, when I, It was the day after my sixth birthday, uh, and I was uh, racing my brother home. We lived in a small town in Centerville, and I was racing my brother home. And, and I took one way, and I'm, like, riding my fast as I could. And, of course, I looked to the right, which, you know, I was looking for my brother to see if I was beating him. And then the car came from the left and hit me, and I, like, did a cartwheel and, wow. and I like I, I can I'm six right so I mean I, I can laugh about it now but but like my dad was the the town doctor and he got a call up at his office and someone's like doc you know come down to Western Auto Some, the kid's been hit by a car we think he's dead so he like rushes up there sees my older brother like walking off sad with his bike and it's like oh my goodness and he goes up there and sees me and turns into dad and instead of like Oh. racing the neck he kind of like scoops me up and 
you know, it was, it was, it was a wild, wild event. And I ended up like cracking my skull like an egg, which ultimately looking back on it saved my life because my brain was able to swell and then come back and uh, broke my leg. And uh, I was like in a, in the ICU for a while and in a coma for like two days. But I don't know, man. I, I, I know that it was tough. I didn't like cross the street for a while. I didn't want to ride in elevators and all that. But, yeah. But it, um, I, I, like I said, I can laugh about it now, but it, it's, I, I couldn't imagine being my parents, right? I was a kid and whatever. You're relentless as a kid. But my parents, man, it must have just been oh, unbelievably shocking. Not what any dad wants to do is go to the yeah, emergency know, call right? and get there and Especially find out as it's a doctor. son. Yeah, as a doctor. Yeah. Wow. Well, Seth, thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really appreciate it, my friend. Man, what a great interview with Seth McKinney uh, talking about his disappointments in life, but also the importance of processes. And so I want to leave you with this question. What processes are you dealing with in your life? What steps, small steps, are you going to take starting tomorrow to be more successful in the areas that you want to be successful in life? So leave your responses below and email us at info at nograyareas.com. And remember to like follow, and especially subscribe. We'll see you next time.